Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Andrea. We are bringing you the Real Moms Real Life Podcast, your guide to self-empowerment and taking on each day as your best self. This is episode number 23. We are going to start varying our segments a little bit. Let us know what you think. Our topic for the day is chronic pain and musculoskeletal imaging. Please let us know your thoughts and topics you would like to hear. Don't forget, all of the resources on this podcast are meant for information purposes only and not to be confused for medical advice or treatment. Welcome, Andrea. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. I just told you I am, well, I guess I'm about 20, 28, 29 weeks now, so I had to get my glucose test today, and I decided to just get the glucose test because it's one drink, and I can do it, and if I fail, I may consider what my other options are to <laughs> not do the three-hour one, but I just decided to do that. And what are, yeah. what are you up to today or this week? Um, let's see. I actually like got up and worked out this morning. I mean, with Remy, and I showered, so it's been like a very productive morning, an unusually productive morning. And that is because Remy slept like completely through the night. He's up like thirteen hours last night. Yay! That's <laughs> oh, like awesome. 12 and a half. Yeah. So that's so exciting. <laughs> I love, love, love to, that he slept so well last night. Yes. So I'm like, yay, take on the day. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. pretty happy about it, too. I bet. <laughs> is he doing better with sleeping overall, or is it still up, uh, you know, touch and go? It's been better. It's really been better. Um, I mean, we've done, like, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, as a perfect scientist and myself, I've, you know, changed 36 things. So I don't know exactly what it is, but I like to think it's a combination of things. So we have done very intentional things to help with sleep, and it seems to be working. So Awesome. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk about that sometime. Yeah. <laughs> Big topic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have a new icebreaker segment that we're going to add in, and it's called our Real Mom Moment of the Week. So these are just things that we are looking back on. Typically, they're probably something that in the moment you're like, oh, why did I do that? And then hopefully you look back and maybe laugh at them, and you learn from them, and you just realize that we're all real moms, and we have no desire to be perfect. So my real mom moment of the week is overscheduling, and I would say that that's my real mom moment of the week, although it's probably real mom moment of the season. It's like gorgeous out right now. I feel like we were just talking about it being snowing here a couple of weeks ago, and now we can go swimming in our pool and just be outside and just do different things. So Tuesdays is my day where I work a little bit in the afternoon, but I'm with my daughter in the morning and we always do a play date. And yesterday it was class picture day. So we went to her school to get her picture and then we did a play date. And then she went to my mom's to watch her while I worked. And then she had gymnastics. So it's like booked all day long. And all she wanted at the end of the day was some like quiet playtime. And then it's time to get ready for bed. And she's just too wired to go to bed and it just causes problems and I know this but I really need to be better about scheduling breaks in the middle of the day despite the fact that she had a great day and really did well I do need to be more mindful especially because she's only three and a half that being on the go and not taking even an hour break at home is a little bit much especially when she doesn't nap 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm definitely guilty of that go, go, go. And like, hey, let's take you here and take you there. <laughs> Sometimes on days that we're home and like I have errands to run. Um, let's see, mine of the week is, so we, my friend had a party for Cinco de Mayo. And right now I, because Remy has his rash and eczema and stuff, which is doing a lot better. I can't have eggs, dairy, corn, gluten. I don't know. I can't eat anything now. <laughs> um, and so she, it's Cinco de Mayo, and she's her husband's a chef. And she, she's like, he narrowed it down to five types of salsa. And I was like, I freaking love salsa, you know. I love chips. And so I was like, I'm not missing out on that. So I went and bought myself some, like, potato chips, some, like, organic potato chips and some plantain chips. And I had them sitting in this bag by the door, and my husband's even like, did you get the chips? And I'm like, yep. But of course, I'm carrying like my diaper bag. I'm carrying some of Remy's things and like all these things. And then as I'm walking out the door, I realize like the dog's water bowl is up on the counter. And she, poor thing, like probably hasn't had water all day. So I'm like, oh, I should probably leave that. So it's like I go to put the water bowl down and just completely leave the bag of chips and don't realize it until like we're already late at this point, of course. <laughs> and don't realize until like 10 minutes into the drive. And I was like, damn it, <laughs> forgot the chips. And my husband's like, why don't we just go back and get them? And I'm like, no, we're already late because her house is like an hour away. And he's like, let's just go back and get the chips. I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> so we went back and we backtracked and we got them and it was totally fine. And it was totally fine that we were late. Yes, Remy. Um, but it was just one of those things where I'm like, what the heck? Like I had them in my hand. Like, how does that happen? <laughs> I will say I love partners for that because I feel like for me, my mind's more on, well, it's more important to be timely than to bring what I said I was going to bring or what have you. But knowing that like you really wanted those chips so that you could try all the salsa and not just eat it with a spoon is just, I think that like my husband particularly will be like, no, let's just go back and get it. 20 minutes later isn't going to make or break anything of this party. You know, it's not like it's a a dinner reservation that they're going to give it away or a doctor's appointment or something. It's like, it's a party. If there's other people invited, it'll be okay. And you just send them a message, say, hey, we're going to be this amount late. And I don't know, hosting parties, I don't really mind if people are late. Now, there's a within reason, but like a half hour is okay. Two hours late, maybe not so much, but half hour, that just gives me a little extra time to do things. Yeah, totally. <laughs> All right, so we are also going to transition our previous segments, which were our um, movement makeover and our in-the-kitchen tips, to just be focused more on tips of the week. So they might be about motherhood or movement or nutrition or mindfulness, but just little tips that we've started to come up with that make life a little less hard, and we will each share a tip every week. So my tip for you guys this week is shower mindfulness. So I found that I'm sometimes having a hard time really setting aside the time to just sit and be mindful and meditate and do that kind of thing. Showering is one of those things that I don't have to think about. I have the exact routine that I follow every time I'm in the shower and that's a lot of people get a lot of really good thinking done in the shower because it's something that you don't really have to pay attention to. So it's a really great time to you know, maybe just relax a little bit and put on a playlist or music that you like, or just to try to clear your brain a little bit and let yourself go of stressful thoughts and emotions. And it's, 
yeah, I don't know, depending on how long you shower, maybe from 5 to 15 minutes or longer. And it's a great place to really just boost your your mindfulness practice, depending on how often you do it. How about you, Andrea? Oh, I love that tip. That's great. Um, I My tip of the week is to have a to-do list that's like in your face, especially if you have trouble like me remembering to look at your to-do list because I'm great at making them and really bad at looking at them. Like I have all these planners and notebooks and yeah, I just don't look at them. So I have this, I was going to get like all fancy and get this like board and get all pretty, but I'm like, where the heck do I hang it? Because I have this like tile weird wall in my kitchen. So you can't really like nail anything into it. And everywhere else, it just seemed like it would really interfere with my decor. Not that I have that much, but we just have a lot of windows. There's not a ton of wall space. So I was like, you know what? I'm just putting post-its on my tile thing. <laughs> and so here, I'll show you, Beth. See it. <laughs> wow, that's pretty impressive. So I just I just knocked something over too. Um, yeah, so I just have post-its, and they're, like, really bright and fluorescent colored, and I have a system that probably no one understands if you were to look at it, but it's been really helpful because it's, like, I walk by that wall all the time, and I even have, like, my daily thing. So it's, like, I'm supposed to give Remy supplements. I'm supposed to take my own supplements. It's, like, I have a post-it for each, and then when I do it, I, like, move it over to the next tile, which is the next day. <laughs> um, but that way it's, like, these routine tasks that, you know, should be routine and should be automatic, like, they are so not for me sometimes, and I totally forget to do them so um it's been really 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 helpful anyways that's my tip i like it i think that finding a good way to have a to-do list and a to-do list that you're willing to follow is fantastic you're so much more like of a tactile visual person so being able to like physically move it over i can see being really big my husband and I use for ourselves, like um, as a joint kind of things, we use Trello, T-R-E-L-L-O, and we really like that, and he uses it a lot personally, but he'll do like a daily, like these are the things I should do every day, like empty the dishwasher, I might even have like workout or eat lunch on there, but they're the things that it's like, hey, and he's gotten himself into the routine, like when he takes a break from work because he works from home, that he checks his list. It's like, what do I do during this break? What do I do during this break? So it's um it's all about finding what works for you and I'm not there yet I have like a couple on my phone that I use from time to time I think biggest my biggest issue is that I'm having trouble deciding some of my priorities of like well it's my priority my online business is my priority getting my massage certification done is my priority getting my CEUs for <laughs> my nutrition or PT credit. So, so I'm having a little bit of trouble, I think, figuring that out, but I love it from the day-to-day stuff of just, hey, I did it. I'll move it over. And the less that you can keep in your brain, the better. All right. So we are going to move on to our topic for the week, which is musculoskeletal imaging and chronic pain. So we, a lot of us kind of deal with chronic pain from a variety of standpoints and the definition of chronic pain, I'm actually not sure. It's something, in my opinion, that you've been dealing with for a long time and gets to that point where it's like, wait a minute, I don't remember not feeling X, Y, or Z, or that kind of thing. And one of the things we wanted to talk about is whether or not medical imaging is necessary in chronic pain, and then we can also continue to talk more about chronic pain 
in other ways and ways to support it. And we may have to continue that onto a future episode. So Andrea, do you want to share some of your thoughts? Yeah. And I believe chronic pain is any pain that's been going on longer than three months is like the medical definition. So, because at that point, at that three month point, what happens is it, is it actually changes neural pathways in your brain. So it starts to rewire your brain. So your brain pain is, um, very much a part of, or a, a byproduct of what your brain is sending out as a message to you. So what happens is your nerve endings get a message either from a stretch, from pressure, from heat, whatever it might be. They send a message up to your brain and then your brain sends that message back to you as either, oh, that's a big muscle stretch or, oh, hey, that's getting hot or if it's past a certain threshold, pain. So there aren't any like pain receptors in our body. There's just a threshold that's passed with the receptors in our body that sense these different things. And one of them is chemical as well. So even um, too much like cortisol or different stress hormones in our body can produce pain. And that's really, really important to realize because all pain is produced in the brain. It's just, and it does, and that means that all pain is real because that is a message that your brain is sending out to you. So past the three month point, what happens is your brain becomes very sensitized. So that threshold for where you feel pain usually is just much lower. So something that you normally would have perceived as just a stretch is now perceived as pain. So why this matters for imaging is because Many people with chronic pain, they, you know, they'll come to me and they say, you know, I just need an image of this. I need to see what's going on. I want to know what's wrong. But the problem is, is that imaging is kind of useless because one, all it is, is a picture in time. It doesn't tell us what message the brain is receiving. It doesn't tell us what's happening when you're moving. It doesn't tell us what, you know, chemicals are passing over the nerve endings, anything like that. It's just a picture in time. And what study after study after study has shown is that things like degenerative joint disease, disc herniations, like all those kinds of nasty things, you know, rotator cuff tears, blah, 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 blah. They actually are not necessarily pain causers. So there's studies that take healthy populations. They have no pain, no issue. They take an MRI of their shoulder, of their back, whatever it might be. And they find these things. So they find like, I think it's like 30 some percent of people have rotator cuff tears. 50% of people with, um, who got the lumbar MRIs have some kind of, you know, thing in there, whether it's degenerative joint disease or the herniation, whatever it might be. And they don't have pain. And the more important part, they don't go on to have pain. They follow up with them like 10, 20 years later and they don't ever have pain. So just because you have a finding on an image, it doesn't mean that's what actually causing you pain. So sometimes I'll have people that have, you know, they have already have an imaging done and they bring it in and they're like, oh, I have, you know, a herniation on, you know, whatever this nerve is and where their pain is, it doesn't even correlate to that nerve. Like it doesn't make sense. So I'm kind of like, okay, great. <laughs> like, and normally when people give me imaging, yeah, okay, sure. You had it done. Let's like make sure there's nothing crazy on it, but it's usually kind of useless when it comes to treatment. And we're talking of musculoskeletal things here, okay? I'm, I'm not talking about imaging of like organs and whatnot, okay? That's not within our scope. So uh, I'm talking about you have pain and, you know, you want an image for it. So like, for example, right now I have a woman 
who's had hip pain, definitely chronic hip pain. And physical therapy is making her better. Like she has made, oh my gosh, she's progressed so much quicker than I want. She was in pretty bad pain, like could barely walk. And she's walking now. She's actually started to run. Like she's doing all kinds of things. She still has a little hip pain. And she's like, I just really need an image to know what's going on. And I'm having a really hard time, you know, kind of explaining to her that an image isn't going to really say anything because what's going on is that she had muscle asymmetry, she had weaknesses in some areas and compensations that occurred over time, like over a 10 year period. And her and that is what was producing pain. So as we're addressing those asymmetries, everything's resolving, there isn't a like physical thing that's causing pain. And so Sorry, this is like a giant rant on this. (laughs) So, but even if you, okay, so let's say you get an image and you find something, then what? Okay, so that's always my question. It's like, okay, if you get an image, how is it going to change your course of care? Because an an image is expensive and um, that's, you know, just something to keep in mind. And there's actually studies that show getting an image can actually decrease your prognosis. So it can make your prognosis worse for recovering, which may be a separate topic. But so it's like if I'm going to, recommend somebody get an image or somebody's asking me should I get an image we want to make sure there's a really good reason for it because um again for those reasons so question is is okay how's it going to change your course of care and normally what it's going to do is either going to result in a surgery because that's what imaging is for is to say hey what can we do surgery on or they're going to say hey go to physical therapy and guess what it's not going to change my treatment so we're back at square one Um, so anyways, that is my big spiel on imaging and chronic pain. I could probably talk about this for a lot longer, but I will let Beth chime in and say some thoughts. (laughs) No, I think that's fantastic. Being someone that has had dealt with low back, chronic low back pain and has gotten a variety of imaging from it, I would agree 100%. And in the beginning when I hurt my back, they're like, we can't, we can't do imaging because insurance doesn't even cover it unless you've had a complaint for a certain amount of time. And oftentimes they want you to try conservative, conservative care first. So something like physical therapy, I would say though, like if there's a certain point where you're seeing a physical therapist and you're, or someone that's treating the chronic pain from a conservative fashion, a non-surgical fashion, and it's not getting better and then you're trying to decide, well, do I need surgery? Well, then you need to then consider, okay, well, if we've really given it a good go. And I don't just mean showing up to your appointments. I mean doing the exercises on your own, how often you're supposed to, all of those different things. Possibly looking at nutrition and some other pieces to it, then yeah, maybe you go get an image and you consider your options. I would say... I know that I've referred to it before, but I really, really love the book Back in Control. It's written by a spine surgeon, and he basically, it's yes, focused on spine surgery, but I think it can be related anywhere. And he basically talks about how frequently people's pain does not match up with their surgical image or their their like uh, MRI imaging. So there's so many times where it's like, well, I have pain here, and well, okay, but this is the segment that has the herniation and that's not at all consistent where your pain is. So, I mean, I could go in and fix the herniation, but it will probably do nothing for your pain. And just going in there and messing with stuff could actually cause some other issues in other areas. So 
I think that was a really great overview of kind of why to be hesitant with imaging. Like I know that I have two lumbar herniations and they're there. They will always be there. I know what causes my back pain is muscle spasm. And why does my muscle spasm? Because I'm asymmetric. And I have some areas of weakness here and some areas of weakness there. I have found some foods that are triggers. I know that stress is a trigger. There are certain movements that used to be triggers, but I had to work on them and work through them. And it never... There was one moment that I ended up in the emergency room uh, because of my back about four months after my daughter was born, and I actually just posted an art episode. It'll be a couple or an article on my blog about how I was blaming my C-section for my back pain, and it that was one moment that I was like, I do I did I do something that needed surgery? But that was an acute injury. I know exactly, and I detail it in this in the blog post. I know exactly what happened and why it happened, and it was because I went back too fast, too soon, and didn't listen to my body. So it's really, I think in society, it's like, well, if I get a picture, then we know what to fix. But if you're seeing a good practitioner, they're going to treat you. And what is you, those pictures are, yes, they can show you what the nerves are doing and the discs and the muscles a little bit more. But unless you're diagnosing a broken bone, it's really not as effective as just looking at you as a person and seeing how you move, what you're doing on the day-to-day, how you're sitting at your desk, how you're sitting when you're driving, how you're running, what your form looks like. All of those things are much more important than, oh, well, maybe I have a labral tear or something, you know, that that needs others. Because it's like, well, what caused that in the first place? Because if you just go in and you fix that area through a surgery, yet you're still relying on all those previous movement patterns that caused the injury, but you just go in thinking that surgery is going to fix it, you're going to, one, potentially re-injure pretty quickly, or two, just not get better. And now you've wasted all this time and energy and effort and money on a surgery that didn't resolve your problem. And then you're going to have all the psychological effects of pain and um like stress from that as well yes absolutely I totally agree with that um one thing I did want to say is there are certain things where it's like kind of oh right yes absolutely go get an image so while I'm not going to cover all of them I just want to say it's like if you're having you know if you have back pain and all of a sudden you lose bowel or bladder function or like function of your leg or your entire leg you know is weak and goes out like yeah go go to the emergency room okay (laughs) like there are certain things where it's like yes we need you to go get an image right away but again a physical therapist that you're seeing I would you know you might want to double check make sure that they're a doctor of physical therapy because with that doctorate degree we have been trained to understand these red flags and an immediate need for imaging so your physical therapist should absolutely be able to be like yes this needs to be um, physical therapy right or imaging right away and if you need a second opinion get a second opinion that's you know totally fine 
Um, so, you know, yes, there are cases where pain does absolutely need imaging, but normally in those cases, the pain is very consistent and it's pretty hard to get rid of. So if you're able to go run five miles and it's at the sixth mile that you have pain, okay, chances are it's not whatever is, you know, whatever they find on the image, even if they do find on the image, because you were able to run five miles, okay? If it's like a torn meniscus, like it doesn't go away for five miles. <laughs> um, I mean, there's like the bucket handle tear meniscus where you have like random locking of your knee and stuff. Like again, those ones are ones like, yeah, probably get an image. If it's bad enough, it's locking enough. Yeah, go get a surgery, like absolutely. But again, your physical therapist should be able to determine that. And even on that note, I totally just had a guy who was like, yeah, you probably have a bucket handle tear. Like he was having the locking. And, but we are continuing physical therapy because he doesn't have a doctor appointment. He, like, he couldn't get one for like a month. And so um, he hasn't had an episode of locking now, I think, in the past like six weeks or so, something like that. And we've just been doing physical therapy. And I was certain he was going to have to get surgery. But things are going really well. So, again, when you get the body moving right, it's amazing what you can fix even if there is an issue on an image. Um, so I think Beth kind of touched on like the psychological aspects. And I think that might be a different episode and something to talk about just because that is a long thing. But what I do want to introduce is there's a definition of pain that I really like. And it's basically when your body's perceived threat is greater than its perceived safety. So what this means is that you have to take into everything into account. So if your life is full of anxiety, stress, and, you know, there's all this stuff going on, and you, you know, maybe your nutrition isn't the greatest, you're not sleeping the greatest, and you have pain, all, all those things can impact things. So even if you are seeing a physical therapist and you're doing your exercises religiously and you're doing everything right, if your body is perceiving this kind of outside environment as really a threat and you have a lot of stress in your life and things like that, your pain might not get better. And that's what that's why I became a nutritional therapist and then that's why I became a life coach because I was just seeing this pattern in people where we were doing the right things, there was just more that needed to be addressed to get to their pain. I think that I followed the exact same path that you did and kind of furthering my education. I think as a physical therapist, you see the same clients, you work in a place long enough, you start seeing the same people over and over and over again. And they're better, quote unquote, better. They feel good by the time they leave you six months, nine months, maybe a year later, they're back. And it might be the exact same thing. And it's like, well, maybe they lost a little bit here, or a little bit there. But it's just, it's like, why does this keep reoccurring? What else is going on that is not, that we're not addressing here? So so I went down that same path. I said, well, let's look at nutrition. I noticed that a bunch of the kids that I kept seeing repeat clients had Crohn's disease or celiac or IBS or diabetes. They had all of these kind of chronic more autoimmune kind of condition. So that's when I started to look into the holistic nutrition route. And then the next piece of that was also that kind of life coaching and the stress and school, even for kids. Life is stressful. We live in a society that if we don't manage it, it will take us over. And some of us are better at managing it than others, but I think it's something that everyone really has to work on. I feel like that's kind of the the bottom line of every episode that we have is just to manage 
stress, find ways to support that and it will make everything better. No, meditating every day is not going to make your back pain go away. I mean, it might, but it might not be the only thing, but finding ways to support all of your systems finding a nutrition lifestyle that works for you, finding an exercise routine that works for you, finding a mindfulness practice that works for you can kind of go in combination together to make you feel your best. Absolutely. hundred percent agree with all of that. I mean, we are like, you have one body, like this is what you're, it's taking you through life. So you have to take care of it. So on that note, how are you taking care of yourself this week, Andrea? <laughs> um, really, actually, my, my post-it thing has been my way of taking care of myself because one of my post-its is to, like, get ready for bed by 930. And so in that, I've been actually prioritizing sleep a lot more um, and been getting more sleep, which has been fantastic. How about you? So I decided yesterday I had some things to do and I didn't have that much time. And I was like, well, I could rush and get it in. And I said, you know what? I have this book that I need to read. So I'm going to go put my feet in the pool and I'm going to read this book and relax in the sun a little bit. And the rest of it will get done another time. I felt like I was so drained. I needed just a little bit of recovery from our overpacked day yesterday. So that's what I did. I just said, you know what? That stuff can wait till tomorrow. Good for you. That's awesome. I love that. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us today. Follow us on social media for news updates and calls for questions. You can find me, Beth, at Feats of Real Eats and Andrea at Life, Liberty, Health on Instagram and Facebook. Please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode and write us a review. Show notes for this episode and all podcast-related information can be found at realmomsreallife.com.